We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everyone? The dust has settled. The NBA trade deadline is over. And we've had a weekend to collect our thoughts on all the movement from the Charlotte Hornets. This is Richie. And what we're going to do to make this more manageable is to break this into two episodes. I'm going to be going solo to discuss the Hayward to OKC deal, while Spencer and Brian will have an episode a little bit later that evaluates the Dallas trade and how that affects things moving forward. As always, if you like what we do, please give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your episodes. Lastly, check out buzzbeat.substack.com for our ad-free episodes and the occasional written pieces. That takes all of 30 seconds to get your email into our database to get those emails sent directly to your inbox. Also, we have a chat going on right now on Substack, and it's been more active around the trade deadline and certainly now with the newcomers coming in. But you do need to download the Substack app to take part in that, so give that a look. So first, I wanted to mention as the Hornets were heading into Thursday, we had heard from multiple outlets that Miles Bridges wasn't going anywhere. It was reported that he was going to use his veto powers to shut down any trades, and he definitely wanted to stay in Charlotte, or at least that's what he vocalized. And that's something that he has mentioned on multiple occasions. I also don't think there's any benefit in saying the opposite, and I've mentioned that a couple of times. So it was probably a combination of the asking price that the Hornets were wanting for Bridges and the fact that he can get the best offer for his contract from Charlotte this offseason, and they can just kind of go from there. So just because the Hornets decided not to trade him, it doesn't necessarily mean that they want to keep him long-term or they have to keep him long-term. They can offer him those five years and those 8% raises, something that other teams can only do for four years and 5% raises. So Rich Paul and, and his team and Miles Bridges did the right thing here in terms of trying to get the best deal. But this still leaves the possibility of a sign-in trade, and that is always a potential option for the Hornets to do, 
Although Cupcheck on Friday stated, I, I don't see why we wouldn't want him to be a part of this team for a long, long time. So we'll, we will see. That, like, that's the biggest question mark for me following the deadline with all these moves. Hayward, P.J. Washington, young, young players coming in, draft picks coming in. When that is all settled, that's fine. The biggest question for me moving forward is how do all these moves affect how they approach the Bridges situation this summer? He's a very talented player. I've highlighted his profile before and what he does well and what he doesn't do well, but there are definitely options for sure in how they approach this. So they could definitely keep him, use him as a third, fourth option on this team, but there's also a possibility where they sign him and trade him this summer. So that I just wanted to quickly get that out of the way uh, for a non-trade and how that affects things moving forward. And let me go ahead and share my thoughts on the trade with the Thunder. The full details of the trade, Thunder received Gordon Hayward and his $31 million expiring contract. Hayward was paid a bonus from Charlotte because of that 15% trade kicker, but because we're so late into his four-year contract, it was only for uh, $1.8 million. Uh, it would have been more had he been traded earlier into his contract. Charlotte received Vasilier Mitsich, Trey Mann, Davis Bertans, a second-round pick in this upcoming draft from the Rockets, which should be within the first 10 to 14 picks of that round. And they also get a 2025 second round pick from the 76ers. So I think this trade is one that benefits both teams. And I'm sure both organizations are going to be calling it a win, which to be honest, I wouldn't push back on that idea. I think from OKC's perspective, you get a guy, if healthy, who can play a role off the bench and just be another guy within their rotation, give them 20 minutes a game, 15 minutes a game, depending on the matchup, and just let him be a facilitator with that second unit, a catch-and-shoot three-point guy, and let him work off the drive-and-kick game that is OKC's offense. If it doesn't work out, which it may not, then he's a free agent this offseason, and it clears space for them. But let's look at it from Charlotte's perspective. They were in a mode of trying to shake things up. They needed movement they couldn't you know, keep with the status quo. The new owners had a lot of say in this deadline and were aggressive in making these moves. Keeping Hayward only made sense to Charlotte if one, he was healthy, and two, they were in the thick of a playoff race. And I've been on record before on the podcast stating that I ultimately think he will settle in Charlotte with his family. And the idea of him coming back next season with the reduced salary and role wasn't out of the question, but having said that, this move is perfectly fine from Charlotte's side. They got something for him and didn't mess up too much as it relates to future flexibility. So let's start with Bertans because he was used mainly to match salaries here. And I'm really kind of confused as you know how Charlotte views him, if they would want to keep him around. It's a bit of a wild card and it really wouldn't shock me if he plays more of a role here in Charlotte, unlike his time in OKC. He doesn't provide any kind of defense. I mean, he's got size, but other than that, he's he's not much of a factor on that end of the court, but he's going to stretch the court with his three-point shooting, something that 
the Hornets desperately need. And as it relates to his contract, after this season ends, he technically has one more season, but he himself could end his contract with his early termination option. Charlotte doesn't necessarily have that ability. It's from Berton's side. But in the end, it doesn't truly matter because if Berton's doesn't exercise that ETO, Charlotte could waive him because he's on a partially guaranteed contract for next year. So it wouldn't fully get rid of that number like the ETO would, but he would still be owed that $5 million, which is, you know, compared to that 16, if he were to stay on with the team and Hornets didn't waive him. So he is very much a wild card. I could see the Hornets really just trying to stick with them next year. I mean, that's a possibility, uh, but obviously that $16 million would stay on the books, you know, if they don't waive them. And so his contract definitely allows for some flexibility and the, and the Hornets could even trade him at the end of the season before the draft and free agency and allow the other team to kind of handle that situation. So that is kind of my overall thoughts on Bertans. It really can go any kind of different, di- different direction with him. And we're going to move on to Trey Mann. And of the three guys, he's the guy that clearly has the most potential in this trade, a guy that has plenty of dribble moves. He really likes to use that step back. We, we've seen that from him since his days at Florida to create space for his pull-up three-point shot. He's also not afraid to attack the paint and finish with floaters and runners. He's, he's actually surprisingly springy, and he can get up and over and around bigger guys. It's just interesting to see how his young career has played out because it feels as if his role has been reduced in each passing season. And I think that has a lot to do with where the Thunder are now. They're battling for the top spot in the Western Conference, and he doesn't necessarily fit their timeline of being able to play right now and keep that level that they need to finish this season strong. But that doesn't mean he's a bad prospect by any means. And I think of all the players in this trade, he's probably the one guy that maybe most Thunder fans were more reluctant on giving up. He just may be better suited for a team right now like Charlotte that isn't ahead of schedule like the Thunder, and they can kind of pace themselves with Trey Mann and his development. My only question with him is what will his role be with Charlotte? Because I only, as of now, I only really see him as a microwave scorer out of the point position in the second unit. It's hard for me to envision him playing alongside LaMelo too much a lot because of the defensive side. But if they put the right pieces around those two, maybe that could be somewhat workable. So it's going to be the same questions with LaMelo and whoever he's paired up with. There's got to be size. There's got to be defense. And so if LaMelo and Trey Mann play heavy minutes together, whether it's you know, not out of the starting unit, but maybe within the flow of the game or, or towards the end of the game, you still need those three other guys to possess those certain skills. So that's really my biggest question with Trey Mann. Is he just a microwave scorer off the bench, which is perfectly fine, but also the expectation is, you know, this is the best player in the trade or, or at least the one that has the most upside. And, and people here in Charlotte are trying to envision this guy like taking the next step here because of a increased role. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Lastly, let's go to Mitic. He's a Serbian point guard who has played for various Euro teams for at least 10 seasons over there. So he's listed as an NBA rookie, but has tons of experience. He even won a EuroLeague MVP in 2021. And after looking at some clips and digging into his play style, he is truly just a, a point guard and a playmaker out of that position. His main goal when he's driving maybe to score at the rim, but his main goal is to set his teammates up. He's, he's going to drive to pass, collapse that defense, and his eyes are just constantly shifting around the court and seeing where the gaps are. And he does it with a little bit of a flash and flair, too. Like He's not this fundamental guy that has these very uh, strict rules that he follows by when he makes a pass. Uh, in terms of the NBA level, he's not much of a shooter. Or he hasn't proven to be a shooter this year. But we, we saw it over in Europe where those numbers were a little bit better. So we will see how that impacts his role with the team. You know, he did show it in Europe. Let, let's see if that translates over with the, the Hornets. And this is something that I'll ask my guests soon. But my thoughts were this. Like, Mitzic should be more impactful from day one and, and get the chance to run the second unit for the rest of the year with more fluidity and more efficiency than maybe, say, a Trey Mann. Now, Trey Mann like I mentioned before, has more upside at the age of 23 and offers a really different play style and role altogether. He feels more like a scorer off the bench and has more limitations in terms of who can play around him. And where Charlotte is situated with their path, it makes a lot of sense to give him a go over man and see what they have in, in Mitzich, but also at some point you're going to have to sprinkle in both of these guys to see how they fit in with this new situation and and Charlotte. So all three of these guys um, had a their debuts uh, against the Grizzlies on Saturday night in Charlotte. And all my prep and notes for this podcast came before this game. So now after the game, you can only imagine that my positivity has risen after seeing their first game in a Hornets uniform. But again, we have to temper our expectations during this honeymoon phase and I just want to quickly go over their stat lines. Man finished with nine points on just one of five from behind the arc. He tallied nine assists with five of them going to Richards near the uh, the rim. Berton scored nine points, all of those on three three-pointers. And the player of the game was Mitchich. Like, he just was so fun to watch against the Grizzlies. And the clips that I saw leading up to the game totally matched with what we saw Saturday night. He likes to get downhill and collapse the defense. He has craft around the rim where he can decelerate, use those 
elongated steps and, and uses his body to create space. So a very crafty player. But obviously the passing was like the biggest strength. Like just just watch his eyes. They are constantly moving and holding defenders off as he knows where his teammates are. He knows where his teammates are, are going to go and leads them perfectly for that. And he finished with 18 points, one rebound, nine assists, and then 23 points created on those assists. So overall, I, I like this trade with the Thunder. I'd give it a A-. minus. The only downside, and it's not backbreaking by any means, is that the Hornets will add about $16 million to the books next season at a minimum, depending on what happens to Bertans with these three players instead of getting off of Hayward's $30-plus million. But that's just the price that you pay to get young players and some draft picks. So in the end, it's probably worth it, and it's also going to be worth it if these players work out and are a part of the rotation moving forward, then then it doesn't matter a ton. Now, if they flame out uh, after this season and they don't actually materialize into rotational players, then maybe you can kind of second guess this. But I'm just, I'm very interested to see how these newcomers, you know, whether it's the, the Mavericks or the Thunder, how that affects Thor, McGowan's, Smith Jr., and the rest of the guys on the bench and and where the pecking order is and how that plays out for the rest of the season. But overall, a good return for Charlotte in this trade. And we are going to go ahead and bring on our guests to kind of get more insight on these Thunder players and the situation that they were coming from. Okay, let's bring on Alex Spears, co-host of The Athletic Slam and Jam, where he provides the most obscure trivia questions. And also, he is a member of Down to Dunk, a Thunder podcast Alex, welcome to BuzzBeat, and thank you so much for waking up a little early over on the West Coast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Richie. I feel like I may have asked this before, but how did you become a Thunder fan living in Oregon? Like, I'm assuming maybe school took you there? Uh, yeah, yeah. I grew up in Oklahoma. I used to be a Sixers fan because I'm originally from Philly. But uh, yeah, when the team moved from Seattle, that was like 2009. It just made sense. You know, I, I was living there at the time. I can remember going the first game. And so I've just been a Thunder fan ever since. Let me ask you a personal question about the Thunder's like identity and like their uniforms and their colors. Do you, I mean, because I personally speaking, like it just seems very blah to me. Like, has has there been like a lot of talk over there? Like, wow, like Thunder need like a rebrand. Oh, that's been a conversation. Uh, I would say maybe like five years into the franchise's history. Like ever since then, yeah, we have been bringing it up like every single year. And we thought, okay, once you trade Russ, this is kind of like a nice breaking point. Why not do a rebrand, especially like during the tanking years to get fans excited? Why not? But uh, they continue to refuse uh, doing that. And so we keep waiting. We keep hoping that they're going to maybe incorporate uh, Thunder and Lightning into their logo in some way or, or do anything like that. But uh, they, they, they refuse for some reason. Yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to, you know, do a logo with Thunder. It's, it's just, it's 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 difficult. It is, yeah. It's difficult. But uh, luckily, the winning kind of overshadows that. Hornets might have the best looking uniform, but obviously they are in the bottom of the NBA. So I would take the Thunder situation over the Hornets. <laughs> but let's take a look into this trade. I, I think it's a win-win for both parties. And there are things to like if you're a Charlotte Hornets fan. And because you have watched these players more than our listeners, more than even me, I think you're probably better suited to kind of give us the lowdown on these guys. And I want to start with uh, Bertans. 
Were there any conversations like heading into this season that actually he'd play a bigger role with the Thunder or was the limited play time that he did receive there? Was that like the expectation? Um, so there was always an understanding that he wasn't going to play a ton, a ton because he has this deal in his contract where if he plays 75% of the games, his contract for next season is fully guaranteed. So we at least knew going into the season that he was at least going to miss 20 games. Um, but then as the season started, they just had too much depth or at least too many young guys that they would rather play that he just started getting spot minutes. And so there was kind of an expectation going into the season. Okay. He'll probably have a few games where he comes in and just goes nuclear from three, where he takes like three threes and you know, two minutes and he makes all of them. And that did happen a couple of times, but that was about the extent of his involvement. There was never really, um, none of us really like expected a bigger role to develop and it never really happened. Yeah, I think for Charlotte, while he's not going to offer you much on defense, like this team needs shooting in the worst way. And with the way that he can score off movement, the way that he can score off screens and hit those threes, it's it's needed for Charlotte, who has struggled to stretch the defense over the years. And to your point, his contract next season is partially guaranteed. So it's a very you know tricky situation. The Hornets could cut ties with him over the summer and they'd only be charged that I think that's like five million. But also too, yeah. like he could be an asset for Charlotte. Like we'll see how these last few months of the season play out with him. I, I'm interested to see how he plays because I think most people are talking about the other two guys, but he seems to be like a wild card for the Hornets. And I'd I'd love to see him on on a reduced role and just kind of see how he he plays with the Hornets. And I was gonna say, depending on how their cap sheet looks, I mean, if they have a lot of room you know, and, and they don't feel like they can get anyone this summer. Like maybe it would be worth it just having this huge expiring contract on your books for next season to go into, you know, next trade deadline just to have, um, especially if he's going to still be contributing on the court. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. There's a lot of flexibility in ways they can approach this with Bertans and, you know, I've seen a couple of, of Thunder games and a handful here and there, but, you know, I've not really known too much of Mitzich. Like, I, I knew that maybe he had played yeah. here and there for OKC, and I did some digging, and I realized that maybe he played a little bit more than I thought he did with the Thunder. I watched some clips on this guy, and, and this is like my type of player. I like the way that he plays. He has a little bit of flair as a passer. Give me the lowdown on him. And do you think it was difficult for the Thunder to give him even more minutes in terms of like the rotation there? And then just kind of like, what player are we getting with Mitzich? Yeah, so I mean, first, like, hopefully everyone knows his history because we have been hoping that the Thunder, we got him in the trade when we sent, uh, or when we took on Al Horford um, from the Sixers um, back when they had signed him to a huge deal. Ever since then, so that, that's been like four years now. Mm-hmm. Ever since then, we've been hoping that they bring him over every single summer because you look at his like accolades that he's doing, like everything that he's accumulating over in EuroLeague is like, this guy has to get a shot in the NBA at some point. So they finally bring him over and then they don't play him. And so through like the first month of the season, he barely got any minutes. And then they start putting him in these lineups with J-Dub at the beginning of the second quarter and the beginning of the fourth quarter. And those lineups just like take off. In fact, if you go on clean the glass right now, uh, Mitic is currently our best on off guy on the team. He's like a plus 14 or something because he's really good at just making like everything work on the court. Um, everything becomes much more functional when he is on the court. He just knows how to run an offense. And I think 
for a team like Charlotte, he's going to help so many of their young guys just because he can operate in a pick and roll really, really well. He's really great at uh, moving off ball. Um, he's really great at finishing, so he can he can work off ball in that way. Um, I just think he's he can be so helpful to a team. I think the problem with OKC is they just had so many guys that they would have rather given like playmaking duties to. And when you factor in his contract as well, which I think is like three years, 21 million, not a lot, but getting off of that gives them a lot more space. I mean, now they have like 30 million plus in space going into the off season when they have some guys on their own roster that they want to give extensions to. So I think that was kind of how they factored all that in. They, they didn't really expect that he would be getting big minutes in the playoffs. Um, you know, his defense hasn't been horrible, but you could definitely see a scenario where teams would be targeting him every single time, like if he was in the playoffs. So I think playing on a team like Charlotte with younger players, I think he's going to, I mean, you saw it in his first game, like he was incredible. And I have a feeling like as long as Lamella's out, like it's going to be more of that because he is a really good basketball player. Do you think it was difficult at all for the Thunder to include him in this trade? Or does it sound like, you know, it was just part of the business? Uh, it was difficult for me. I mean, when, when that when Bobby Marks came out and was like, "Hey, they need to put, include more money," we all assumed it was Poku because like Poku has not played at all this season, has not contributed. His time with this team is done. His salary would have made that deal work. And so, yeah, I was surprised when I saw that uh, Mitich was in there because I mean, he he has actually contributed, and uh, I I think it ultimately just came down to getting wanting to get off that money from his contract. I don't know what they have planned, but that I think that was the main motivation. And knowing that like now that you bring in Hayward, a lot of those minutes that they were giving to me such are going to be soaked up by Hayward now. And so even if we did like him, the reality was that unless there's an injury, which obviously that could be a case <laughs> with Hayward, um <laughs> Mitch probably wasn't going to get a lot of minutes going forward. So, you know, maybe do him a solid. I mean, I know a lot of people looked at that as like like oh man, OKC sent him off to Charlotte. I think Charlotte is like a way better situation for him because he's going to get a lot more playing time and can actually show the rest of the league what he's capable of. Yeah, very impressed by his uh, debut against the the Grizzlies. But Yeah, he was awesome. He was awesome. Last player we need to get to is Trey Mann. Uh, he was drafted by OKC in 2021, and it really seems like his time with the Thunder has been inconsistent. Like his role feels like it's diminished every single season that's passed what do you think is the biggest reason for his like up and down nature of his role? Well, as, as you know, like his elite skill is creating space. Like his step backs are absurd. The amount of space he can create between him and the defender. The problem ultimately was that he just didn't convert enough of those plays. Like he his rookie season. He shot 36% from three which is solid. And, and we were hopeful going into a second season, like, okay, this is going to be the Trey man breakout. Cause he had some, he had some games at the end of that rookie season. You know, he scored like 30 against Boston one game. So we're psyched going into his second uh, season. He's awesome in the preseason that year. He's awesome in the first couple weeks, but then like that he just, his shot just abandons him. And I, I think he ended up shooting below 32% from three that season and not having him not being a spacer just wasn't going to work on OKC. Like he had to be a spacer in that role. And that was always my thing with Trey. Like, man, he is so talented. He is so skilled, but he's like 90% of the way there. Like he just has to convert 
more of these shots, whether it's in doing the step back in the mid range or whether it's from three or finishing around the basket, which is something that he got better in better at his second year. Um, but like his rookie season, he shot below 50% at the rim. Um, he has so much talent and, and his rookie season in the second year, it almost became a meme with uh, head coach Mark Dagnall. He would always say Trey needs to eat his broccoli before he can have his Skittles, which was basically saying that like Trey needs to learn how to do all the other things that help a team win. And then he, and then I'm like cool with him doing all these step backs and, you know, he's had some like explosive dunks too. Um, And so I think like just finishing um, whether that be at the rim or just making his threes and then also defensively, which he has gotten better at defensively, like the few moments he's gotten to play this season and even last season, you definitely saw him growing as a defender. He's always going to be limited just because he's, he's not big. Um, But he did seem to start to buy into that a little bit more. And so Thunder fans are like super hopeful about Trey going forward. There was kind of like this understanding going into this season that man, with all our guards, it's probably not going to work for Trey here. But a significant percentage of the fan base still had very high hopes for Trey, um, even with a down season last year, because he was so good that rookie year. So I think we're all excited to see him have more of an opportunity, which it looks like he'll get in Charlotte. And I don't know what he'll end up turning into, but we always envisioned him as kind of like, oh, this is kind of your your traditional six man off the bench microwave scorer yep. that can come in and just change a game. And so I'm, I'm hoping he can kind of fulfill that role in Charlotte. Yeah, in the first half of this episode, that's, that, that was the exact term that I used, microwave score off the bench. And I do wonder, and maybe you can, this is kind of like the last question I'll ask, he has all these on-ball step-back moves, but is there a role for him off-ball? Could he play next to LaMelo in, in certain situations, you think? I think he absolutely could. Um, I will say that like his best moments in OKC were when he was on-ball. Right. Um because uh, another aspect I didn't bring up, which you saw in that first game, was like his playmaking has taken a significant jump from his rookie season. Uh, he was not—he did not come into the league as much of a playmaker, and we weren't really thinking of him that way. But I think being an OKC system where it really emphasizes that whoever is on the ball has to be a playmaker, it kind of forced him to develop that, and he's gotten a lot better as a passer. So I will say his best moments have been on ball, but obviously in OKC he had to learn how to play more off ball because he's playing with guys like SGA and J-Dub. So I definitely think he can do it, but again, it it all comes back to like, can he hit his shots? You know, he's always been a really good uh, shooter from the corners. His first two seasons, which is when he played the majority of his minutes, he shot 42% both years from the corners. So I do think he can be valuable off ball. It's been his above the break threes, which have, you know, I think one year he was 30%, another year he was 34%. If he can ever figure out that aspect, I think he can be such a more helpful player. The other issue with him playing off ball is like as a cutter, he's just not super physical mm-hmm. around the rim. And so, you know, he doesn't get to the line a ton. He often will settle for like shots in the floater range instead of taking it all the way to the rack. Although, again, you will see some, if you go watch his highlights, he has had some amazing dunks. So I think further developing that aspect of his game, like learning as he gets stronger, learning how to be more physical at the rim could allow him to get a a few more easy buckets than he got in OKC. 
Okay. Well, thanks to everyone who joined us for another episode and listened to us ad-free and early through BuzzBeat Plus. We wanted to thank our guest, Alex, for sharing his thoughts, his insight on the new Charlotte Hornets. If you ever wanted to keep tabs on Hayward or keep tabs on Biombo, go check out Down to Dunk. Alex, thanks again. Thanks, Richie. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.